while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. to the show on Marcus 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening or also take your app chat messages on the WBSM app uh, podcast should be out soon on the interview with Lieutenant Governor Driscoll we have been talking a lot about and I was I was glad I was able to ask Lieutenant Governor Driscoll about this um <laughs> um so, interesting. So I got this fact sheet from a good source on the Bedford Community Preservation Act, and I'm going to take a little, I'm going to take a look at it and then see if I can broadcast that out to you guys. Uh, see if I could broadcast that out to you guys. But, uh, you know, I thought that was really important to, to ask Lieutenant Governor Driscoll about that. The, you know, fact, uh, the, the, because the, I, you know, I'd known, I, I was thinking about it before the interview. I'm like, you know, she was a, she was a great mayor. She's smart. She definitely took, she definitely did the Community Preservation Act when she, while she was, while she was mayor. She was mayor from like 2006 till whatever she got inaugurated as, as uh, lieutenant governor. And lo and behold, 2014, Salem became, I believe uh, it was 2014, became a community preservation act of uh, community. And she talked about how critical it was for them to move forward with that, how Boston just became one. <clears throat> and a lot of most communities in the Commonwealth are one. And I think to, to try to gut that funding, um, as a political ploy is, is frankly, it's, it's pretty gross. So it's, um, it's pretty gross. So, uh, you know, you, you hope that the four counselors that voted against that potentially really dangerous ballot question, um, they'll hold their vote so that way they don't have a veto proof majority on that. They don't override Mitchell's veto on that because if they do, You'll lose tens of millions of dollars in funding. So that was Councilor Lima, Councilor Abreu, Councilor Giesta, Councilor Markey. There's four councilors with the good sense to not vote for that charade of a ballot question. 
absolute charade of a ballot question. Okay, so looking back on the app chats, uh, so... Um, Looking back on the app chats, someone asking me, hey, Marcus, why didn't you ask Lieutenant Governor more about offshore wind? I, I mean, like I said, the primary question was going to be about housing. I think she, you know, they were here talking about offshore wind. Um, I thought they answered it pretty completely. Uh, and um, I also got a couple of mes- uh, and uh, I mean, in terms of like why they were here and the investments they're making in climate and all of that. I will say it was interesting and you can find more on the article. I asked, so, you know, there's some companies that were trying to renegotiate their contracts, uh, their offshore wind contracts and Senator Mike Rodericks, state Senator Mike Rodericks, um, who's the chairman of Ways and Means in Westport. He's a friend of the show. Um, Hoping he'll, uh, I talked to him over the weekend, hoping, hoping, hopefully he can join us soon to talk more about this, but he wants to ban companies, and he mentioned Avangrid in particular, um, ban companies from getting any more bids in the Commonwealth if they terminate their contracts with the state, the contracts that they already negotiated. So I asked Governor Healy whether or not she supported it today. Um, and she said, basically, well, what's important is that we have a competitive process that gets deals done. That sounds like no to me. Um, that sounds like she doesn't support it. But then, you know, I was approached by the CEO of Omnigrid afterwards. And so, you know, we had a good conversation. I got a quote from them that's in the article. You know, I got Healy's quote, the full quote that's in the article. Go check that out because um, that's an important conversation that we're going to have. I talked to someone from Avangrid's going to be joining us uh, at some point soon. And uh, I'm hoping we're going to get some, you know, people in on that conversation as well. But yeah, no, there's a lot, there's a lot more conversation. I mean, here's the thing. We're going to have them, we're going to have them on more uh, throughout the, throughout the, um, we're going to have them on more throughout the, uh, you know, They'll be there for four years, probably eight, right? They'll be there for four years, probably eight. We'll have them on a lot more. There'll be a lot more things to talk about. I'm hoping to get the attorney general on. I talked to her office. We'll, we'll probably set that up, um, get the attorney general on to talk about enforcing the MBTA community's law because that that's an interesting conversation. And it's one that New Bedford, Fall River, Fairhaven, Dartmouth, they're not, we're not really a part of yet, but we could be if we're added to the law. If the south, if these communities in the south coast are added to the MBTA community's law, it's not retroactive apparently. So, um, and basically, you know, as Lieutenant Governor Driscoll said, um, it's a law that would um, basically say you don't have to build uh, specific housing around, you know, the MBTA stations. You just have to uh, uh, make zoning that allows for it. You can't be, you can't inhibit it. And so far, Berkeley and Middleborough are opposing it. So, um, you know, two southeastern Massachusetts communities. Probably people who are out in the audience uh, are listening from Berkeley or Middleborough. I know for a fact, actually, that that's true. There are people from Berkeley and Middleborough listening to this program. So, 508 996 0500 is how you can get in the program. 
Uh, imagine if every time this is Phil from Fairhaven. Someone's asking me if imagined it if every time Healy's name got mentioned, we didn't have to hear that she was the first openly gay governor. <laughs> well, I didn't mention it until just now, until I read your, until I read your app chat. <laughs> I don't think Phil mentioned it on the, on the. Uh, I don't think Phil mentioned it. Phil Devitt mentioned it on the on the news break, but um, it's an important milestone, you know. It's something that's like, it's a real tangible, important thing that happened for sure. A hundred percent. You know, a lot of people talk about that stuff like Kamala Harris being elected vice president or Barack Obama being elected president. Their election to those offices, given our history, Healy's election as governor in Massachusetts, Barney Frank, you know, um, uh, Tammy Baldwin, Wisconsin. Right, David Cicilline over here in Rhode Island, just over the border, about 20, 30 miles west of here. That's a really tangible, important accomplishment because that's some, that's something that probably couldn't have happened even, you know, someone, uh, you know, governor of the state, right, being openly gay. Not something that could have probably even happened 20 years ago. Same thing with Barack Obama being elected in 2008. That is a real tangible benefit to show, to demonstrate that despite our sordid history and despite a lot of the issues that we're dealing with now, still continue to deal with, that a person of color can be elected president, a woman and a woman of color can be elected vice president or become a major nominee of a party, and that an openly gay person can be elected governor of any state at all. That's a real tangible benefit. I'm not benefit. Well, it is a benefit for a lot of people, but it's a real tangible achievement given the history. It was just in 2003 that Massachusetts, 2003, I was 14 years old. Think of how old you were in 2003. Think of how much of your life went by Till one state in the Commonwealth, I mean one state, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, till one state in the country finally said, you know what? Gay people can get married. Gay people are people just like you and me and they did, and they have rights just like you and me do. It took till 2003. It wasn't that long ago. There was more Healy. She was probably in law school at the time. Right? Probably in law school around that time. Or Healy was probably... She might have even been a practicing attorney by the time that the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the state that she lives in, right, the state that she's lived in for most of her life, was able to tell her, hey, guess what? You're a person. You have rights. You have rights just like they, just like everybody else. Took her till she was a fully-fledged adult to say, like I said, she was probably a, a practicing attorney at the time, if not at least in law school. By the time the Commonwealth of Massachusetts said, hey, guess what? You're an adult. And there was a lot of pushback on that here in the Commonwealth. And now she's the top executive here. So from going from there to where she is now, again, that is real and that is a significant achievement. Having said all of that, I really haven't heard much about her sexual orientation recently. Well, obviously, a lot of talk about it when she was elected governor, but I haven't heard a lot of uh, the the a lot about that fairly recently. 
508-996-0500 is how you get the program. I would agree, you know, if, you know, it's, it's, you know, after, after that real significant accomplishment that people should at that point stand on the laurels, right? Uh, I, I do think that, you know, they're two months into their term. Let's see if she can, you know, the, she can be a good governor, which is also very important, right? Time will tell if she can be a good governor as well as the first openly gay governor. Um, and then, you know, we can go from there. I happen to think she will. Making history, so... Uh, making history. Anyway, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Uh, this is South Coast tonight. Connect some app chat messages now. And, um, I'm just reading these app chat messages. Someone's asking me if someone's upset that I didn't ask Lieutenant Governor hard enough questions. Okay. Listen, um, I, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> Send me a question. Do you think I should have asked Lieutenant Governor? I'm serious. Send me a question. You think I didn't ask hard enough questions or whatever? Send me a question. You think I should have asked her? And then, and then, and then, and then I'll, 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 I'll consider it. I'll tell you why. Maybe that was a good question. Maybe, maybe not, but <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the phone. Uh, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the phones. Welcome back to the show. Let's go to the phones. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hi, Marcus. What's up? It was good to have her on tonight. Thanks. I I would have liked to ask, and seeing as you uh, also seem to think the legislature is not going to pass any home rule for uh, rent control. I'd be incredibly shocked. Right. I would have asked her, okay, if that fails, Lieutenant Governor, what's your backup plan for the emergency crisis in the various cities of New Bedford from the state's point of view? Are you going to let... The local areas wallow in confusion and and suffering. Uh, what's your backup plan? I didn't hear anything else about a backup plan. Well, I don't think that. I don't know if it's a backup plan. I think the pl- I think that the plan is just the plan, right? Like they want to increase H dip. Uh, they yeah, want to increase H dip funding. All this stuff is going to take two years to do. What's well, What's the emergency backup backup plan for what's going to happen very soon? Yeah, um, I yeah, I guess I you know I, I think that any any solution there's there's nothing that's going to get done tomorrow, right? I mean, well, what about emergency legislation for the time being, as it happens before this two year hopeful uh, resurgence in building t- t- takes place? I think wait, wait. something has to be figured out on the local and state <laughs> levels now. What are we going to have? Uh, free tents? from the state to put in our parks in New Bedford, you know, like San Francisco or whatever. Uh, I don't hear anybody addressing the uh, emergency emergency, emergency legislation that is to emerging do, rapidly. Emergency legislation to do what? Well, even like I said, 
uh, who's going to pay for all the tents and equipment and services of homeless people in New Bedford in the various parks? How is that going to work out? I don't hear any uh, plan about uh, that. I mean, two years from now, there's going to be help. Well, I, I, the, 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 the pressing, the, the, the problem is that we're, like she said, 200,000 units short of where we need to be in terms of housing. That's not something that can get fixed overnight. I'm not you know talking how long about it takes that. to build a house I'm or building about unit, units of housing. Emergency procedures and programs for what's going to happen almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Squalor in the streets. Can we stand that for two years? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in the, you know, I'll have to look at the budget um, to see if there's probably some more immediate stuff in there for homelessness and all of that stuff. But. Yeah, well, uh, nothing was brought out um, by her on it. I don't fault you uh, for not asking my question on it, but uh, I think my question is very serious. And uh, I don't hear anybody from the city or the, question the state being talking like, about emergency programs. So the question, yeah. So the question would be like, okay, these are longer term solutions. What in the immediate future would you do what, to address? What this? kind of social services would be necessary for families living out in tents in the parks? Sure. What, what kind of dysfunction and mental illness? What kind of crime in the streets from uh, homeless people, drug use, suicides, etc. Uh, these are some of the problems that homelessness can bring to people that have widespread homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, that's something that should be addressed both on the, the city level and the state level and some sort of coordinating, uh, plan to rescue people. We sure. can't wait two years. I agree. All right. Thank you for having her on. Um, look forward to the next person you have. Anybody in mind? Well, tomorrow we have the sheriff. Uh, we have Paul Haro on. Um, but I am talking to, I, I reached out to Andrea Campbell's office today, the attorney general. So hoping she'll come back on soon. Um, so we're just working on booking that. So do you have a particular topic you want her to address? Well, I'm interested to hear how, she, you know, the enforcement of the MBTA communities law, cause that's, that's a, that's a big housing law that was passed fairly recently. And also, um, just how, they're, you know, the attorney general's office is how they're taking on housing in particular. Um, and then, you know, whatever's whatever's topical at the time of the interview. You know, uh, Marcus, I recently heard on NPR that in Europe, when they build housing. We don't say NPR here. OK. <laughs> I'm just kidding. In Europe, when they build housing, uh, the European Economic Union, uh, unlike the 10 percent requirement in uh, here, which is being violated, that 10% should be affordable housing. Over there, you know what the percentage is for any new uh, apartment building? 54%. 54? Wow. Yeah, 54% should be for affordable housing. And that's why you don't hear a lot of problems about homelessness there compared to us. Sure, there's always homelessness somewhere, and, you know, but uh, yeah. we're becoming world famous for it. No, I know we are. Yeah, ten percent is a is a state requirement for, and uh, nobody's enforcing it. No, seriously. nobody is. It's true. No one's seriously yeah. enforcing it. Too. All right. Thanks for keeping on it. Keep on keeping on. No problem. Thanks for the call. All Appreciate right. it. Bye. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. So uh, just looking at some stuff. Yeah. 
uh, asked me why, you know, again, some, someone else asked me if I didn't ask, why didn't ask harder questions. I don't know. You tell me what questions you'd ask the lieutenant governor if you interviewed, uh, if you interviewed her. I, I, I'd love to know. I'd love to know what hard hitting questions that you have in mind. Um, somebody else, uh, just reading the app chat messages now. Um, I'm saying great interview. Hope she comes back. I got that one before too. Yeah, she will definitely come back on. Uh, she'll be here for four years. Hopefully so will South Coast tonight. You never know, but if we're here and she's here, she'll come back on for sure. Um, making history so someday their statue will be torn down. Um, that's DL and Dartmouth. Uh, I don't know what that means. So if you're talking about like tearing down statues of people like Robert E. Lee or something, if that's what you're talking about, I think that's starkly different. <laughs> You know, then like, you know, someone achieving a milestone of becoming a member of a historically oppressed, uh, uh, um, protected class becoming the, you know, top executive of a, of, of an entire state or entire country is a little bit different than, um, you know, someone like Robert E. Lee, um, or Christopher Columbus, right? Uh, I, I just don't see the, I don't see the correlation, um, unfortunately. Those statue things, what's interesting about the statue stuff is so, so there's a lot of like talk about this, um, years ago. Uh, it was an interesting conversation because a lot of these statues of like Confederate leaders, right, were all built In the first of all, it doesn't really matter when they were built. But second of all, they were built in like the 1950s and 60s, around the time of the Civil Rights Movement, and they were all like, it was all, they were all built by like organizations like Sisters of the Confederacy, right? And um, The, um, like, uh, Jefferson Davis and all of that statues like Jefferson Davis or, or Robert E. Lee or whomever were all, were all like, again, they were built in like the 50s and 60s in response to the civil rights movement. And then people started taking them down because, like, of course they would take them down because they were statues of people who, um, led an effort to maintain Slavery is the status quo, is an institutional right for people to perpetuate onto other people in this country. So statues of the people do not deserve to be up at all. Um, same thing with Christopher Columbus. He's really a terrible guy who did really, really terrible things. And his statues don't deserve to be up either. Uh, but in terms of making history in other areas, I think, you know, I think, what does it, you know, what does it matter? 508-996-0500 saying in the program. So yeah, I think there's a difference between someone, you know, achieving something that was actually significant, like a significant, like being remembered for achieving something that was historically significant and widely considered a good thing versus someone who's 
historically significant for achieving a bad thing. So 508-996-0500 so you can get the program. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Again, Chris Chris will be back tomorrow um, for the full show, and we'll have Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow. He's going to be joining us in the 7 o'clock hour. He's going to be joining us in the 7 o'clock hour. We're just going to be talking about basically um, uh, some new developments in the Ash Street Jail uh, or the building of Ash Street Jail. So, um, yeah, I mean, not the building of Ash Street Jail, the taking, the the destruction of the, dis, the destruction of Ash Street Jail. Yeah, I mean, there's, actually, there's an actual law, law school named after Robert E. Lee still. Did you know that? Did you know that? I think they should change the name of that law school. I think they should. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Oh, by the way, in response to my my question about Taunton, I got a couple of messengers, uh, good listeners of the show, uh, telling me 60,000... 59, 60,000 people in Taunton. So I I was pretty much... I was pretty much right there. It's pretty much right there on how many people lived in Taunton. Because, son, I think there's 50,000 in Attleboro, 106,000 in uh, New Bedford, and 89,000 in uh, in Fall River. But uh, what we're going to do now is, I think what I'll do now is I'm going to take a break, and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay, smart. Protect your legacy. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan for the tools and tips you need to start your emergency preparedness plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. To some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. 
Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. The voices in the night that cover the news of the day. I heard the voices too. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. More of South Coast Tonight happens now on WBSM. So I got an earlier app chat message. I can't tell if it's like sincerely asking me a question or being cocky. But I'll just answer it anyway. So someone's asking if uh, Healy or Driscoll's press secretary screened the questions. No. Um, So typically how this stuff works, just inside baseball stuff, if it's, you know, it's not really a complicated process. But um, if you want to book somebody that's like a statewide elected official, really any elected official at all for the most part, um, typically you reach out to their press person, right? Sometimes them direct, depends on who it is, right? Sometimes them directly, but you reach out to their press person and they do ask you, Hey, what do you plan on asking them about? So they're prepared for the interview. And then you just say, I like for, for he, for Driscoll, I said, I plan on asking you about housing, you know, and that's pretty much it. And, then, you know, uh, but, uh, they don't say, don't ask him this, don't ask him that, don't ask him this. And then, you know, we just asked a bunch of questions, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody ahead of time what questions we were asking. I couldn't tell if that was cocky or if that was being sincere, asking me generally if, if, if like Healy's people screen questions before they come on. They don't, I, they don't screen questions. They just, you know, typically when you reach out to a press secretary, you, they just ask you, Hey, generally, what do you, um, what do you plan on asking them about? And it's just say, Oh, I want to ask them about housing or whatever, but. You know, frankly, if you're at the level of being a statewide elected official, you know, Kim Driscoll could have went into this interview or anybody else, Dinah DeZaglia, whoever I've interviewed, they could go into these interviews completely cold and still be just as prepared because when you get to that level, you really got to know your stuff, right? You really got to be able to answer those questions and they do. They do it. They do it pretty well. So um, I didn't know if that was like a cocky question or not, if it was sincere. Uh, just forget to answer it either way. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Good evening, Marcus. How are we doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm okay, I guess. Uh, no cocky questions here, Marcus. Okay. But I did watch the news, Channel 10, uh, this evening, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a uh, a segment on uh, the mayor and the governor being down on the uh, waterfront there talking about the, uh, you know, the windmills and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. one one little point came out of that, though, which I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if this is breaking news on South Coast tonight, but uh, they mentioned that there is a, f- a fisherman's group that has a um, a case in federal court uh, stating that they weren't taken seriously in their concerns when this whole windmill thing uh, came about. Yeah, and it's pending in federal court. So I don't know if you knew about that or. Yeah, uh, I'm like vaguely familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, again, uh, I don't know what effect that'll have on the plans of the windmills and everything. And if a federal court would say, yeah, you got to give these guys a little bit more of a of a look, but I I, I would hope that there might be some uh, land there too. That if the, the windmill thing doesn't you know come about as well as they think that this uh, fusion thing could be somehow uh, established down there someplace, somewhere, so that it could, it could accommodate both if it doesn't come out as uh, as planned. Right. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I mean, there's so much investment from the federal government, too, as well as the state government, that it's hard to envision a, a, a lawsuit 
like seriously jam like seriously well, in federal jam- court that's why i thought it was yeah it was pretty pertinent you know it was in state court state court they did probably just say see you later but uh, as far as going to federal court with the thing it goes to show uh, not everybody on the waterfront is uh, oh definitely completely yeah happy with yeah it. no of course and, and, and you you, you got to look at it from the fisherman's perspective yeah. too oh, absolutely the 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 the, the city uh uh, you know, uh, depends a lot on the uh, money that comes out of the fishing industry to get and, and jobs the jobs and things like that. I don't know about so much taxes, but you know, we don't want to we don't want to hurt them that much. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I know it. Well, you know, again, when you're a homeowner in the city, you don't like to be subsidizing things when your taxes are going up uh, four hundred dollars, which is the highest. I think it's gone up in the past three or four years. I I looked over some of my bills in the past, and maybe there was a thirty eight dollar increase over the yeah. year and. You know, I mean, thirty a quarter and stuff like that, and uh, that's the highest I could see. And uh, all of a sudden, here we are at four hundred. And and of course, do I worry that uh, if this, uh, you know, uh, rent problem, uh, you know, doesn't get solved some way, and we keep uh, rents at, uh, you know, uh, two thousand dollars for a third floor in a south end, and what's my taxes going to go up if the, you know, city government goes, well, if you can get two thousand, you know, for a third floor in a south end, what? How how much higher can we go up on uh, city taxes? Right. I I I see too in what the gov- what the lieutenant governor said, uh, a move to try to again gentrify uh, you know the area uh, again about housing and having people own their own houses, and that's all well and good and very nice. Uh, but again, I don't know if the populace down here is going to be able to make a. You know, make a, a pay that's an, enabling them to go to the bank and get a loan on these things, or even yeah. qualify for a state thing. A, again, it, it, it's pointing in the way of gentrifying New Bedford, and I just don't think this area is uh, an area that can can be completely like that. I, it's a it's a working class area. It always has been, and uh, I, I would think it would take a major change in the cosmos for that to change. Uh, you know. Maybe up, maybe up near, uh, like you say, Berkeley and uh, and Middleborough. That's not so. <laughs> yeah, right. You've got more room up there and everything. But uh, well, I, I, here, I think you know, improving the. I mean, I mean, the like the MBTA law, like for example, just trying to you know loosen zoning restrictions around those station. Like you look at Lakeville, you look at like Lakeville, the, the Lakeville track. Yeah. There's tons of houses over there. Yeah. There's tons of like you can definitely spur some development, which is population growth, which is uh, addition addition to the tax base. But the Middleborough people don't want it, and you said the Berkeley people don't want it either. Right? Well, well, they don't, but they yeah. might not have a choice. Um, yeah. That's that that's yeah. that's to be determined because Andre uh, and and like I said, I'm hoping to get Andrea Campbell on soon. Mm-hmm. But um, she, she's she said that it's not optional that you've got to you've got to join in, mm-hmm. and that's what what did Driscoll say? 175 communities and two of them are saying no, so that's pretty good. Well, yeah, I know, but again, in, in any case, you hate to jam something down somebody's throat. No, know? it depends. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, it depends if something being jammed down your yeah. throat. I understand. Yeah, but, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, you, you know, why can't we all just get along, you know? <laughs> well, I think it's the, with the MBTA communities law, the, the, the justification is if you're going to enjoy the, the benefit of rail, of getting a train here and all of the all of the uh, the development that comes with it, you, you've got to, you know, pay that in kind with allowing some development, allowing some other people to move in and enjoy that as well. It's a public benefit. It's well, not again, just meant for you. I, you know, again, I I don't as far as here goes, I don't see a lot of people coming here and making homes in the city and gentrifying the city. I don't see that unless 
don't know the windmill workers are going to do it. I don't know. Well, that's no, but the the I mean that's that was one of the pitches for for offshore wind, right? Is the job development. So and they've got a. You know, they're building a, a, a basically a university, a college program, the, the National Offshore Wind Institute, Institute that's going to be, that's run by BCC, that's going to be right on the New Bedford waterfront, well, too. Well, again, so. you know, I, I, yeah, to me, I, I would hope they got something in the bullpen in case for some reason this doesn't work out. And the fusion thing would be the thing that would, you know, if it does ever come about, that would dislodge this. And uh, so you should be... Uh, um, you know, capable of uh, doing something with fusion too, if the windmill thing doesn't work out. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Again, Marcus, I don't have to worry about this at my age, but uh, <laughs> a young gentleman like you uh, certainly uh, you have to uh, you know think more about the future than I do. Uh, by the way, did you ever see if that James Ferro was a uh, a relative some way there? I don't know. I forgot. Oh, gee, how, how, how can you forget? She. I got so many relatives, man. Yeah, I know that name, that name, Ferro. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, F E R R O. You know, I, I get there's, upset. So there's two families. Yes. There's two families. Yes. So you're the Willow Tree family, right? We're the Willow Tree family. Yes, yeah. 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 And oh, did I lose you? No, nope, I'm okay. still here. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, well, again, uh, you know, I, I, I get upset because sometimes listening on the radio, I don't know if I'm listening well, sometimes I hear you, and it seems like people, people pronounce your name Marcus Ferrell, like you're a feral animal of some type. And I know <laughs> Ferrell, it's, yeah. I, I know it's F-E-R-R-O, you know, so that's yeah. the same. And, uh, you know, but, uh, well, a good show tonight in that you had the lieutenant governor on. At least they're taking an interest in this area. Uh, Absolutely. You know, the governor's down here, too, as oh, 100%. well. 100%. And uh, that's better than i think in the distant past when you know they didn't even come down here at all so that's that's a positive and again watching the program i did see the mayor the mayor is alive he is around even <laughs> though he's around. not coming on radio i talked to well i i, I listen i <laughs> i talked to him today yeah i want him to come on next week hopefully he'll be able to i i i did uh i did get a chance to talk to him today i talked to his press person yeah. too to see if we could schedule the interview well okay yeah right. well at least you know I, I don't think Tim uh, ticks him off, you know, like that. I know Barry did a while back, and he didn't want to show up. So this but hey, three weeks he hasn't they been squash, around. They squashed it. He he was on. Uh, Mitchell came on with Barry not too long ago. Yeah, I, I heard that for a very yeah. short time, but it wasn't the you know the weekly uh, you know meeting that they had. And I'm sure it's uh, you know again. Uh, I, I don't think Tim. I don't take. I don't think we take. I don't take anybody off. Usually, sometimes well, you, you can get ticked off at times. The fact, the, <laughs> yeah. the fact that you at times do lose control shows that you're originally <laughs> a South Ender, you know, because yeah. that's the type of uh, madness that even Big Al can get into at times <laughs> if you tick him off. So it goes to show your origins, at least, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, but uh, hey, what can I say? Uh, I, I hope uh, McCarthy's okay too, and he'll be on yeah. you tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back tomorrow. We yeah. got the sheriff on tomorrow. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, then, uh, you know, um, you know the, the new sheriff and everything. Uh, it's funny, uh, you know, hearing uh, Sheriff Tom on in the morning because, yeah. you know, they, I, I, I still don't see why people can't call him sheriff. You, you call an ex-mayor like Mayor Lang, Mayor Lang, and certainly for being there for 25 years or so. I, you know, it's funny, too. When when I say the sheriff, mm-hmm. a lot of people just still will think of Hodgson. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. When you sit a while <laughs> back and I'm listening to the sheriff will be on tomorrow, I think, again, you know, uh, yeah. Hodgson. And uh, I, I think somebody called and said, "Well, you know, not the sheriff." And but uh, hey, uh, to me, it's like uh, Obama you, you, being president. You so, keep that title, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You keep that I, title. And yeah. so if he, you know, if somebody called him Sheriff Tom or Sheriff Hudson, uh, 
you know, I wouldn't feel it was an insult to the present person. No. It's just a, and the guy was there for 25 years, right? So Yeah, of course. You know, hey, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend, I'll let you go and, uh, you know, keep on keeping on. And uh, right. uh, what what can I say? Thank you. Appreciate right, the take call. Care. Yep. Right, 508-996-0500 is how you get in the program. Hey, welcome back. So, you know, what's interesting. I just got a fact sheet from somebody. Very, very, very reliable source. Um, I just got a chance to read it. And it's some interesting stuff on the Community Preservation Act that I'm going to close with and I'm going to be talking about more probably tomorrow and the rest of next week. But, um, you know, remember how Council President Morad had said that the number of match has gone down as more communities have, uh, uh, have uh, entered into the CPA? That's, um, uh, lie detector test shows that is, of course, a lie or she was mistaken. She may have been mistaken. She either lied or she was mistaken. But 20.58% match in 2017. 2018, 17.2% match. 2019, 19% match. 2020, 23% match. 2021, 28% match. 2022, 48, 43% match. 2023, 38% match. So when they first joined the MBT, the, the, the CPA, when they first became a Community Preservation Act community, the match was 20%. Last year, or this this current year right now, 38%. 38%. So they're hovering around 40% match on your funds. That's what they're hovering around, 40% match on your funds. And when they first joined, it was 20, 20%. So that, what that tells me is the state has actually invested more money into the Community Preservation Act. So Council President Morad, again, once again, is wrong, is wrong or lying about the Community Preservation Act. There's also language, uh, they also have the language of the, um, the question, the language of the question. And she said, this is how it appeared on the ballot. Well, the language on the ballot references the, uh, this is how it was on the ballot in 2014 when the community, when the, um, when the everybody, when the community overwhelmingly adopted the Community Preservation Act. Well, turns out Council President Morad wrong again. So her motion has no reference to the CPA in her language on, on the, uh, uh, on the ballot. Um, the, the, uh, on the city council agenda in 2014 that put this on the ballot in 2015, the Community Preservation Act is mentioned. So again, the, it's, it's, I know it's like a difficult thing to, to say, but, one of your elected officials is either completely wrong or misleading you about tens of millions of dollars in funding over time for your community. It's really upsetting that there are other city councilors that go along with it too by not like agreeing with it necessarily, but just voting with it anyway, which is just as bad. So I keep talking about it because it's so incredibly important. But yeah, that's interesting. So it turns out there has been in... More than 20% increase in match, uh, in matched funds since New Bedford joined CPA or since any other community has joined CPA. There's been a more than 20% match in funds. And she said the money's gone down. That is wrong. She said the language is uh, the same on her questions as it appeared on the ballot. That is also wrong. So that's something we got to keep talking about, unfortunately, because you have elected officials that aren't doing the right things when it comes to making sure that you have the right information on things important uh, policies like the Community Preservation Act. It's sad, actually. It's really sad. I don't 
It's not something I like. I enjoy continuing to talk about all the time, but I feel like I have to because it's a really important program. Helps us here in Fairhaven. I know it helps Dartmouth. Helps every community here in the South Coast just about. Helps most communities in the Commonwealth. You heard Lieutenant, Gov- Lieutenant Governor of the Commonwealth talk about how important it was it was for her when she was go- uh, when she was Mayor of Salem. So that's why we're going to keep on this issue, and hopefully the city council does the right thing and kiboshes this, kills this thing when they have the when they have the chance, probably in a couple of weeks. All right, talk to you guys tomorrow.